On today's show, we talk the blockbuster trades that the Blazers made, buyout candidates, who can the Blazers bring in, expiring deals and what those mean going forward, and some trades around the league that are going to be the most impactful. And what are the three big trades that Neil O'Shea hinted about? All that coming up next. Welcome in to this trade deadline edition of the podcast. With me today, Larry. Larry, uh, how's it going? Doing good. Uh, I'm, I'm done clicking my refresh button. That, that got clicked by about 20,000 times in the last two days, I think. Wanted to, to first of all, kind of play a little bit of audio. Um, Neil O'Shea, after the uh, deadline passed and, you know, there was uh, just, uh, just a couple of trades for Portland, um, nothing uh, nothing too earth-shattering, and we'll get into to the specifically those. But um, Neil, Neil did talk a little bit and uh, kind of – as he always does, kind of, uh, kind of led you to believe that there was something bigger brewing. But uh, we'll uh, we'll hear it from Neil's from Neil's mouth. Without Paul Allen being at the helm of the organization, Jody Allen is there now. How is it different from you, or was it different? You know, it, it was different. Jody wasn't sending me links to like rumors off hoops hype, you know, <laughs> involving other teams. You know, Paul Paul really enjoyed that part of it, and I think. You know, Jody was phenomenal, this trade deadline. I mean, it, it was so matter-of-fact. You know, we had met prior to kind of prepping her for the different models of deals we were trying to construct, and um, all she wanted to know was, you know, is the organization getting stronger, is the team getting better? Paul would get attached to guys we drafted and then be more reluctant, you know, to kind of include them in packages going forward. I think Jody's only goal was to get better. And I can tell you that we had three trades today that were proposed. Those were big deals that we were involved in, and the players didn't eventually actually get traded, but we had approval on all three, regardless of cap and future financial constraints. And really, Neil, Paul was never too concerned about spending the extra dime to get value. Do you see that same situation with Joe? Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, the players we were looking to acquire, you know, had we been able to put the package together, the numbers would have been astronomical, and at no point did Jody even blink knowing what it would have done for the organization if we had acquired them. So from a fan perspective, that sounds good that that he had a green light to be able to do whatever he needed to get done. Also from a fan perspective, you're a little disappointed that he had such a green light and really nothing got done. I mean, Rodney Hood will maybe play a little bit. You wonder who he's going to take minutes from. And Scal Labissier, however you pronounce his last name, won't see the light of day, I would imagine. It seems like it's the same press conference. You could have played it for the last three years that we've heard from Neil O'Shea. There's always something that was there. There was a big trade. Just couldn't quite make it happen. And it's it's getting a little old. I think that a lot of Blazer fans are, are pretty frustrated right now with the lack of, you know, the team really making any progress. Hood is is a good player, and, you know, Scal is a guy who's, you know, replacing another player that wasn't in the rotation, and Scal's probably not going to be in the rotation either. He wasn't playing for the Kings. Um, I, 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 I just don't know. 
you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about, you know, the future of the NBA, the next couple of years and, you know, how there's a possibility of Golden State maybe taking a step back. And it just doesn't really feel like Portland is maybe taking that step forward to be able to be considered in that in that top echelon. And it seems as though there were some trades out there to maybe make the Blazers better. You look at what Houston did, where they were able to get uh, underneath the, the luxury tax, get out of some bad contracts um, and still get better. And, you know, that those are the kind of things that really kind of frustrate what Neil has been doing for the last couple of years. He signed some bad contracts that he really hasn't done anything to be able to get out of them. Well, there definitely is a push replay aspect to some of his, you know, post deadline interviews. I think the one the one thing you can do to tell one different from the other is he, he comes up with a new word and this year the, the word was fungible and so I called Pizza Hut and asked him what that meant and they said it means the incoming players did not like mushrooms so that's how we know from one year to the next that it's a different presser but you're right it sounds very much the same it sounds you know hey there's always ah oh, there was a deal we were almost in on it had this chance of it doesn't get pulled off. And and that is frustrating when you look at how, you know, like you talked about Houston, Daryl Morey, and, and most people think that he, he kind of, you know, in letting Ariza and Mbamute, some, some big time wing defenders, that they were going to take a step back and they did. And part of that's due to injury. Uh, Paul and, and Capella haven't played a lot, but he was able to, you know, either realize the mistake, get out from under it, clear some cap space, get under the luxury tax, and now has roster spots for for players that are bought out. And and if you're a player that's been bought out, there was another clip where Neil talked about it's not fair they go to the larger markets. There's there's no buyout players probably going to the Knicks, the Bulls, uh, maybe even the Lakers. Not Carmelo might, but but if they want to win. Where are they going? They're, they're going to contenders. They're going to, one I think has already said they're going to Toronto. Sounds like Wesley Matthews is going to go to Indiana. Um, Indiana's not, not a huge market. They're going to go where they're going to get a chance to play and where they're going to have a chance to win. So, and the Blazers do have a, a, an extra spot, an extra roster spot now. But I'm hugely impressed with what Maury did because – he was able to make the moves to, to give them flexibility, get into the cap and, and still be able to get better. And, and I think Portland fans are, are waiting for that. It's like, okay, yeah, we were in this discussion. When are you going to be able to close the deal? And as always, I am PJ Miller. And um, so we are going to talk some blazers and we're going to talk a little about the league, some of the other trades that happened. So we look at the two players that Portland did get um, the the trade today. Uh, Scott Labossier, you talked about it a little bit. Um, not again. He's going to be an end of the bench guy. Um, I believe this is his third year. So um, they have another year with him. I I don't see really that much production. He was about eight points per game the last two years, and then now that they're you know trying to win, um, he wasn't really getting any playing time. So I, I just don't really see, you know, that trade being that much of a, you know, improvement, either short or long term. And then you know, obviously the, the trade that we talked about that happened a couple of days ago with Rodney Hood, they're 
you know, yeah, he's going to get some playing time, but you know, at who's sacrificing playing time in order for him to be able to play, how much of a difference is he going to make is how is he going to fit in with, you know, ball dominant guards and CJ and, and Lillard. So I think that there's more questions coming out of this trade deadline with those two trades than than maybe people thought that there would be or hoped that there would be in you know there'd be some clarity in the in the rotation and you know there'd be a consolidation trade to you know take these you know 10 or 11 players that probably deserve some playing time and and get somebody who you know could play 30 minutes a game and and be a clear-cut you know, starter or a, a, a sixth man coming off the bench. And, and, you know, neither of these two players really fit that bill. No, um, you know, although in, in, and I've been critical at times of, of Olshay, but, but both of these trades, I think the Blazers won. Rodney Hood was the best player out of all the players involved in his trade. And Scal is, I believe, the better of him and Swanigan. You know, a lot of us fell in love with Swanigan because of his story. You know, how how overweight he used to be, how much work he, he put in and how he came back and how he battled and, and was able to be a, a dominant college player and, and made it into the pros. And the story was was awesome. But the skills, I mean, they were just you can see there was no explosion. Look into Scalabissary. He's got an incredible story. When he was young, he was trapped in rubble from an earthquake. Um, he was trapped long enough. Um, or had injuries that he wasn't able to walk for a couple of weeks. Um, ended up moving around different countries. Didn't start playing basketball until he was 14. He's got a great story. And in terms of the trade, I think he's the better player. He's not good enough that he's going to get rotation minutes. Hood is good enough to get rotation minutes, but he's really not better how much better is he than anyone he's going to take rotation minutes from. So he's going to get minutes. But he's taking them from someone that's like, well, but it's not really better. It's just divided up more. So now you have a roles issue. So I, I agree with you. There's, there's not, there wasn't the consolidation trade we were looking for. There wasn't the, the hey, we got a, a impact better player to join Dame, Nurk, and CJ We just got another guy that's, you know, well, okay, maybe he takes some Harkless minutes some Turner minutes, some Aminu minutes, some layman minutes, although why he would take some layman's minutes right now would be beyond me because Jake's Jake for the last 15 plus games has been playing as, as well as almost anyone else on the team outside of, I think consistency is a big thing with layman too. For the last 15 games, he's been consistent, which is something you definitely do not get from Mo. Um, And even, Aminu, I mean, he's going to be hot one game, and then he's going to be he's going to be cold the next. His defense is is probably a little bit more consistent, but to me, the consistency, you know, what you're getting out of Layman night in and night out. Right, he's going to be that energizer guy. Um, if he hits some shots, he early it it really tends to he gets hot, or he'll if he misses at some point, he might get he'll have a hot stretch. But he he's been he's been more than warm for quite some time, I and mean, he's only had one bad game in his last fifteen. Defensively, he's he's not as good as Harkless or Aminu or Turner, but offensively, he's been so much better than all three of those. You know, I, I don't see how you take minutes from him, and he's been he's been playing more, so that's been good to see. 
So one trade that did not happen um, that a lot of people were saying that Portland was involved in, um, Miracic from the Pelicans. Um, you look at what uh, Milwaukee had to give up to get him, a um, couple of players that you know aren't really going to make a difference, and then a couple second-round picks, very similar to what what Portland gave up for Rodney Hood. Granted, the picks or the players that that they gave up were um, expiring contracts, which may have been a little bit more difficult for Portland. I would have to maybe include Aminu and maybe even Curry in order to to reach that point. But um, looks like somebody who was possibly attainable, um, but uh, you know, it didn't happen. And I think that that is one of the places that people are frustrated because the the four is probably the biggest weakness. Um, on this team as far as consistency um, and outside shooting. And I think that people were pretty frustrated when that, uh, when what he was traded for and Portland, uh, you know, at least could have made a, a, a pretty uh, even offer for, uh, for him. Well, and, and, and what's also frustrating is, is all the talking heads in the media as, as soon as that trade were announced was announced, they raved at how well he's going to, fit in with Milwaukee, how good he was in the playoffs last year, how, how good he is in a spot-up situation. I mean, it, it it just went on and on. His, his rebounding numbers, you know, some of his defensive numbers, different depends on who you listen to, they were all very, very positive of that trade for the Bucs. And, and, again, you're like, okay, well, why couldn't we get a guy like that? And I understand the expirings we really didn't have, but – a lot of that is because of how Neil signed these guys. You know, they only had really one big, they had a bunch of smaller ones. Um, the, the hood trade, Stauskas was an expiring, Baldwin was an expiring, Curry's an expiring, Aminu was the was the bigger expiring contract. But when Neil when Neil signed these players to these, they were all given four year deals. And I went back and looked in, in 2016 how many four year deals were given out. And in the entire league, all 30 teams, there were 30 four-year contracts given out. And, and the money on these ranged, but four years usually, you know, some of that was bigger money. You didn't have a whole lot of four-year, $10 million deals or whatever. So 30 four-year deals. Portland had four of those. That's a big percentage for the league, all of them four years. So they're all expiring at the same time. Now, unfortunately... They're all expiring next year. So if everyone wanted expiring deals this year, it was great to have them. Next year, it's, it's going to mean very little because you're going to have 26 other expiring deals on top of any one-year deals that any of these you know players sign this summer. So there's going to be a lot more competition. The value of an expiring deal is, is going to go down. And, and we talked about this before, why those weren't laddered out a little bit. I, I, I have yet to hear anything that anyone was offering Myers, Turner, Crab. Well, Crab was was a, a match situation, but Myers, Turner, and Harkless, anyone was offering them near that money or certainly the full four years. Why couldn't you have done two or three or or laddered them out? That's that has put Portland in a difficult position, specifically this year, not having expiring deals. Even if you just had one of those guys on a three-year deal, I think you could have made trades to really help this team, and they just weren't able to with what they had or with what Neil was willing to give up. I just imagine if Turner was on a three-year instead of a four-year, how valuable that piece would have been. 
Oh, absolutely. And, and to see when everyone was signing, throwing all that money around to go, hey, we're, we're going to do three years. Because even Turner, by his own admission, was shocked at the size of that offer. If you go back to it, no one else was offering that. He, he was very surprised. Um, I think he was told by some people he talked to, just like, oh, gosh, you have to take that. He just wasn't going to get it from anywhere else. So that's, that's a lot of ending contracts next year that just devalue what you've got. So now maybe if you bundle them all together, you've got around 37 million. Does that go get you a player, you know, a who's got a big, huge contract? Blake Griffin, he's his like 32 million. Do those, maybe can you go do something like that next year in the South? Who knows? if you bundle them all together, but it certainly hurt not having as many of those this year. Let's speak real quick in uh, um, assumptions or in guessing. Neil said that he had three big trades lined up that were all approved by uh, Jody Allen. What would you say those three trades are? What would be your best guess? Well, who knows? I mean, we, we would like to speculate because he said they were massive dollar trades and that the players did not move. So the first two big guys that come up are Anthony Davis and and because of his association with him before, Blake Griffin. That would be just my off the top of my head guess. If, if they were the big numbers that Neil said that they were, you know, astronomical, whatever the verbiage was that he used. I, I'm. Did they inquire about him? Probably. In fact, one of those teams, I'm, I'm very sure that they that they had discussions with. Um, so if it was one of those two, and I think he said one was fifty percent, one was twenty five percent. I don't know. You know, then what? Then what kept it from getting done is is what I'd be curious with, and of course, we'll never find out. Yeah. I think you know um, Gasol was was another one that was rumored, but he did get traded. Um, and I think maybe you know you had kind of touched on it when we talked um, a couple of podcasts ago. Um, maybe uh, Hayward out of uh, um, Boston would be another one. He would be a, a very large contract. So yeah, you know, well, Gasol some got, sort of Gasol got traded, and he was specific that saying that the players did not get moved. So Gasol got moved. So... Yeah, that's why I was saying that probably wasn't one of them. Right. Oh, just, just, I had one more note on all those contracts. So I mentioned about there was 34 year deals. There are actually 62 ending contracts for next year. Now, some of them are obviously weren't signed in 2016. They were shorter deals, but there are 62 expiring contracts. So you've got all of that competition out there for those deals. I, I missed that part. So, but that gives you an idea of what you're up against next year in terms of expiring deals and, and what those might be worth. So I just wanted to add that in. So one other way Portland uh, could make the team better now that the trade deadline has passed is uh, some of these buyouts. You talked a little bit about Wesley Matthews. Sounds like maybe DeAndre Jordan might be bought out as well. Um, Enos Cantor sounds like he's uh, he's gone out of New York. So who are some guys that maybe Portland would be looking at for, you know, one of those buyout positions they have the, in the in the hood deal, they gained a roster spot. So who were some some players that uh, Portland may be uh, in conversations with? 
Well, I've heard now that Jordan may actually stay with the Knicks, that, the, that they waived Matthews. Um, Cantor's going to be gone, but that Jordan may, may actually stay there. I'm not sure why, but, but that he will. Um, the, the, there's a, a ranking of these on, on CBS Sports. Matthews was, was number one, and he's expected to go to the Pacers. Then they have guys like Robin Lopez, who, who was here with Portland before, says that the Warriors are showing interest. <clears throat> which I can, they, they have, they lost so many big men from last year. I think they lost four and, and it's really just DeMarcus Cousins on his repaired Achilles. So that would probably be a good, good fit for them. Not going to get a ton of minutes, but as a big guy against other teams, big guys. I mean, when, when Portland went down there and, and won in, in uh, Oakland, it was because they couldn't do anything with Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Wayne Ellington is three. It goes down the list. Enos Cantor, Carmelo Anthony, who sounds like might go to the Lakers, Michael Beasley, Shelvin Mack, Ben McLemore, uh, Zach Randolph, and Marcin Gortat. Of those, Neil has some ties to some. He likes guys he has ties to. He obviously made Enos Cantor a rich man by offering him a contract he did back when he was with the Thunder that they then matched. So there might be a relationship there with him and or his agent. Certainly Zach was here for a, a long time um, and is a power forward. Cantor, more of a center. But he, he talked a little bit about in another clip about opt-out guys and, and where they were going to fit and that he didn't necessarily, you know, the roster spot was just to make the trade work because of the salaries. It wasn't necessarily to clear room for someone. And he talked about fit and feel and, and everything. I don't know that there's anyone on there that they really go get. I mean, Cantor's probably one of the most talented guys, and he's a big guy, and and, and he's a low post guy. And if you remember back, um, it was the year, was it the year that 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 uh, afterwards that um, Durant left and went to Golden State? Enos Cantor and Stephen Adams caused Golden State fits. I think I think they were up in that series three to one because Golden State couldn't handle the size and they were pounding him on the boards and they, and they had no one that could defend Cantor. He's a very good offensive player. He's not very good defensively. So, you know, someone like that, maybe that fits in here. I, I don't really see anyone on that list that comes in and other than him that would be an impact guy that's, that's going to displace who they have now. So let's talk a little bit about the future um, since they didn't trade any of the uh, contracts of, you know, Evan Turner or Mo Harkless. Um, what do you, what do you think the value of those contracts are going to be next year? Do you think that, you know, are they going to be able to package those together? You know, we talked about how the value is going to be lower, but you know, it's is it still something that they're going to be able to make something, you know, make something work next next off season? Um, he always talks about, you know, Neil always talks about the off season as being a time to change the to change the roster. But I don't know with with everybody else having them, I, I I just don't know what kind of changes they're going to be able to make. The only thing I would I kind of put, you know, if they were making a play for Anthony Davis. You know, nothing's really lost. Nothing has changed except for the Pelicans wouldn't have to necessarily pay those players for the next half a year. They would be that much closer to being an expiring contract. 
Um, that would be the only if you're if you're in the uh, want to still look at Anthony Davis um, boat. Yeah, but but those players expire at the end of 2020. So Davis's contract does too. He's got a year and a half left. All of all of these Blazer expirings are a year and a half left. So they wouldn't really do them a lot of good. And I, I'm not sure. Um, excuse me, how much longer? Blake Griffin's contract runs out. I think it's three more years. Yeah. So he would be someone where if you bundled all those together, now, like I said, there's 62 ending contracts plus whatever one year ones that are signed. Not a lot of teams have that much ending salary. So would that be attractive to Detroit to go, Hey, we can just take this off your books. We'll do it for a salary dump. Probably shouldn't have to include a lot else in there. You know, if it's a salary dump, Maybe in combination, those contracts do have, you know, some weight. But individually, there's so many, just so many of them out there. It's going to have to be something like that. And you're going to have to take on someone like a Blake Griffin with that massive contract and, and all of his injury issues. And he's older. He's 29, 30 now. Um, I think that's the only way that they are worth a lot is if there's a situation that comes up where all of them combined, we have more ending salary than anyone else does individually on their own. So that, that's the question. That's, that's, that's some hope, right? Yeah. The only other question then for the off season is going to be what's going to happen with Amino. Is he someone that the Portland tries to bring back at a similar contract to what he has now, maybe a two year at 14 million total or, you know, is are, is this going to be goodbye, and and they're just hoping Collins is going to take that next step, or they're going to be able to get somebody like Blake Griffin? I, I would think that they would explore upgrading that because that seems to be their weakest position. You know, you you actually have a number of options now at small forward with now Hood's an ending contract too. But if Jake keeps playing the way he's playing, boy, is he going to be up for a raise uh, at twenty twenty? So, and I think he's restricted free agent this summer. So you've actually, you have actually got some production at, at the small forward. You've got the, your backcourt, you've got Nurkic at center. It, your power forward is just a big sucking, gaping hole right now. And so I would imagine that they would look at trying to upgrade that position. I've always liked some of the things that Aminu does, but not as a starter. You know, if you can bring him back off the bench, I'd be all for that, but to continue with him as your starting power forward, I just, I think they're just stuck where they've always been. Teams game plan specifically for him, and and it just it shuts down the rest of what Portland wants to do in the playoffs when when you've got times to really, to really set a game plan for what Portland does. So they need to they need to upgrade that position if if Portland can bring him back for you know, what he was making or somewhere around there. I think he was only seven, $8 million ending contract right now. You know, maybe because there are some things he does. He can, he, he's a good defensive player. He can guard a, a couple of spots, but you have to upgrade that position. Just, just end of story that has, to, if the Blazers are going to take the next step, you've got to be better at the four. Okay. We just got uh, about a minute or two left here. Why don't you give me, um, Two trades that are you gonna that you think um, happened today or yesterday that you think are gonna make the most impact in the league uh, this year? 
Well, it was it was an Eastern Conference arms race with with Toronto, Milwaukee, and Philly. I mean, you know, Philly added Harris, Milwaukee added added um, Miritich, Miritich, and then Toronto added added Gasol, and that might be even though Toronto tends to go small and they play Ibaka at center a lot. Gasol could really help them when they play someone like Philadelphia because they have no one to guard Embiid. Well, with Gasol, you do. And he can step out and, and, and hit a shot. He can space the floor as a big. So uh, Meritich really helps, really helps Milwaukee because it spreads the floor for them and, and allows um, Giannis to, to drive the lane even more. So that's huge for them. I, I like Tobias Harris, but I think there's too many good players in Philadelphia that need the ball. I, I, I make, I may go with Toronto and I, and I heard a bunch of other people and in, in what they said, and, and most of them didn't think that that was the case because they do tend to go small, but there's enough, there's enough guy situations over there where if he can come in and be a big man presence and because of his passing his defense and he can hit a three, I think the really helps them out. Yeah, I think Toronto, especially with what they're going to do maybe in the buyouts, I think that will be a huge factor in, you know, kind of uh, where they end up at the year. But it's kind of interesting. This is the first year in, I don't know, it seems like three or four where the majority of the talent was not going from east to west, but was going from west to east. Kind of somewhat balances out, not not totally, but helps to balance out the east and the west a little bit. Um, I, I think that the East definitely got a lot stronger. Um, the the lower lower teams in the West got a lot weaker, and you know obviously they're they're playing for draft picks. But I think the East, you know, those top three four teams, um, you know, Boston didn't didn't really uh, get any better, but you know those other three teams are you know making a play to you know maybe put a challenge out to whoever's coming out of the West, probably Golden State. Um, but I think that it's it's good to see a little bit more balance in the league um, on both sides of the of the conferences, East and West Coast, and um, I, I I think it's going to be good. And I think it's gonna it's gonna lead to better playoffs. Um, the last couple of years, yeah, you had your LeBron in there, and but you know up until that point, you know it was it was you know one or two teams, and I think having you know four strong teams in the East is going to make for a way better playoff this year. Oh, the, the second round of the playoffs in the East may be the best best playoff round of the entire NBA playoffs. That's going to be in whatever order, to, um, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia. That's going to be great to watch. Better, I think, than, than anything in the West. Um, first round, you're probably going to see some blowouts again. That's going to be a great round, the second round in, in the East. And, and as a fan, I, I look forward to watching that. Um, and then whoever they play in the West, which is most likely the Warriors. West is a little bit boring because it's, it's really the Warriors and everyone else, even, even though they're only a game or so up on Denver. No one thinks that that's, you know, if, if those team, two teams were to meet in the Western Conference Finals, does anyone think that that goes any more than what five games? Yeah, I, I mean that's I, I met you know if Vegas were putting odds out, it, it would probably be somewhere around there. So that's West probably maybe some of the earlier rounds in the West might be interesting. Second round of the Eastern Conference should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think the second round on both sides will be 
will be really good. I think that'll be the best round overall, um, both on the east and the west side. Okay, so that'll do it uh, for this uh, trade deadline show. Um, We covered a little bit about the Blazers and uh, about the league expirings for next year, possible buyouts Portland may be looking at or, you know, probably not. Let's be realistic. (laughs) But uh, so they got San Antonio tonight. Um, Should be good. It'll be the uh, debut of Rodney Hood in uh, in blazer uniform um, i think it'll be good just to kind of see you know over the next week or two kind of how that uh, rotation uh, shifts out wearing number five i believe uh, was that rudy fernandez back in the day yes and as it scal i believe wears number seven that'll be interesting if uh I, if he wears I seven or if they're get, gonna push him to another number. number i'm guessing he probably does not get that number here <laughs> <laughs> all right so no, uh, no big news for the Blazers, but uh, should be an interesting finish to the season. And uh, I'm sure we'll be back on to talk some Blazers uh, later on. Well, and they, and they need this game tonight after after losing because after this, there's, they have a lot of road games coming coming up. This is almost a, a must win, and they have not played well on national TV this year. So I'll be I'll be interested to see how they come out after you know a practice and a game and the rust off and and see how they play because San Antonio rested uh, what LaMarcus and DeRozan last night in that just beat down from Golden State so their two best players are ready to go all right sounds good have a good night Larry good night